This episode is brought to you by Titleist. And the lighting is, is spot on. But I guess the reason I wanted to wait for the drink was because I actually wanted to start with the cheers. Ah, that's To you, that, but that. we can start with the cheers. It doesn't matter. Cheers. But I just wanted to say cheers. First of all, for thank, thank you for coming to St Andrews and all this way up. But mainly... Congratulations on like everything you've achieved, particularly recently. Like I've obviously been watching from afar and um, seeing these announcements of millions and billions of views, <laughs> half a billion views, like over two million subscribers, and uh, honestly, obscene numbers. So just really congratulations. Oh, thank you. Um, That's very nice. Yeah, you should be really proud. I guess are you proud? I, I am. Yeah. It sometimes it. I think it's one of those weird things. I don't know where. I honestly believe once it's all finished, I'll look back at it a bit more and go, oh yeah, that was pretty good back then. Uh-huh. You know, sometimes when you're in it, it's really hard to kind of appreciate it sometimes. That's so interesting. Like, I feel like it's one of those, one of those, you're right with the numbers. Like I, I still, to this day, it's nearly coming up to 10 years when I released my first ever video, right? Oh my word. It was, it was May, 2012. Okay. And I remember when that, got 100 views I was like over the moon wow. I was like the best thing in the world that was on YouTube on YouTube and then let's say like a few videos down the line I get a thousand views and you think oh my god like it's a new milestone and I think that's what's great about YouTube and what's been fun for the last 10 years of doing it there are certain milestones whether it's the first video that gets a hundred thousand views or mm. a million views or mm. the subscriber count going from zero to 10 subscribers to, to a million subscribers to mm. 2 million subscribers it's kind of it's almost that fun game within a game really but yeah no it, it, I, I really enjoy it and I am, I am I think I'll be proud of me when I'm a bit older oh. <laughs> when I've had time to reflect on it maybe what do you think if you went back to 10 year old Rick Shields if you had just 5 minutes to go Rick just come here a minute what do you think you would say to him I think 10-year-old Rick Shields, I genuinely, I wish I'd tried a bit harder at school and I'd wish I'd tried a bit harder at golf and I'd wish I'd tried a bit harder being, being slightly a better version of me when I was younger, I think. I, I wasn't a bad kid, mm-hmm. but I never really tried dead hard. Mm-hmm. Like, even when I got into golf, I got into golf when I was 11 and I kind of just took it as granted I was, I was I'll be good someday. Do you know what I mean? Mm. It was almost like I never really pushed myself and I wish I had, like, I feel like I pushed myself now mm. and I feel like I motivated myself now. But back then I kind of just went with the flow a bit. And but do you think, it's, it's interesting, but do you think that if you really pushed yourself then, you know, you might have burnt out and not been able to push yourself perhaps as an adult? I might have fallen out of love with golf, uh-huh. if I'm honest with you. Yeah. You don't think about it at the time, but... You know, I think when I started playing golf, as, as we all do when we're younger, we want to be the best. Mm-hmm. We want to play on tour. We want to, you know, it was no coincidence that I started in the year 97 when obviously Tiger won his first Masters. Mm. And you think, oh, I can get there. I can be that good. Yeah. And you don't really know until after you go, God, I, I wish I'd just gone a bit. I wish someone had said to me, like you say, in my own self, I mm-hmm. wish someone had said to me and got me and gone, really try at this really like, do your best like really really try yeah so i kind of just had took it as a bit of a granted it, it i'll get better and whatever but i wish I'd, i w- i do wish i'd properly give it a go because it's the one thing that maybe 
I might not have achieved it and I might have failed and you're right, I might have burnt out and never played golf again. Mm. But I can never say to myself, I really gave it a good go, which is frustrating, but it's led to me where I am now, mm. which is still loving the game. Mm -hmm. I still get to put my golf shoes on every day and call it a job. Yeah. Um, and you, yeah, may, maybe I would have burnt out, but it's the one thing I think I'd tell myself back then. So has it ever crossed your mind, you know, 10 years ago, am I right in thinking you're only 35? I'm 35, yeah. 35? I, I mean, I just can't believe you're only 35. Is that because like, I look so old? It's No, you, you look, <laughs> Is it the you look, you've got a lovely baby face, but I think you're very mature and you've achieved so much. You know, I'm 30 and I think, you know, it, in five years' time, I feel like if I had established as, as a, you know, even a, even a portion of what you've been able to do in your career, like, you come across as very grounded and together. And mm. I think it, it's, it's caught me off guard. I didn't know how old I thought you were, to be honest. You kind of, I feel like in life, you kind of get to this weird stage where you're kind of like, you could be 35, you could be 45. Like with people that are quite sort of mature, but useful in the way they look. But yeah. um, I, either way, it caught me by surprise. I thought, wow, like that's even more impressive. You're only 35. Okay. So you started this whole thing when you were 25. So did you ever get to the, like, maybe, I don't know, like when you're around 30 and think it's not too late, I could still be Tiger Woods at the Masters? No, I think, you know what the best thing that ever happened to me was probably about age, age of 18 or 19, mm. I realised I wasn't good enough. What, what did you realise? When I was about 18, 19 and I, and I turned pro, and again, I think because I was a pretty good golfer at my golf club, and I, I didn't travel very far, like I'd, I went to college and probably realised when I was at college, I went to like a golf college in Preston mm. and there's a lot of other kids, young lads better than me, young girls better than me. That was my first taste of, oh yeah, I'm not actually that good. There's actually a lot more players that are better than me. Interesting. And going back to your point about growing up, I went to college at 16 and I lived away from home mm. for two years and I grew up in that two years more than you could ever imagine. Because mm. like, I was living away from home. Were you living in like halls or something? Halls with, with like-minded individuals, you know, kind of fending for myself a little bit. It's not quite like uni, but there was a bit of, you know, fending for myself. Mm. And I think those two years, I got, it, I got all my mayhem years out of the way. Yeah. And, and kind of learned to look after myself a little bit. So by the time I was 18, mm. two years later, I felt ready for work. I felt ready for, come on, let's let's knuckle down now and get really busy with it. And I wanted to be a golf pro. It's always what I wanted to be. Regardless of whether I was going to be a playing pro anymore, mm. I still wanted to be a PGA pro. So when I was about 18, 19, I turned pro and I started playing in competitions. Right. It was then when I was like, oh yeah, miles off the mark. What amateur kind of career had you had? Not great. Right. Not great. Like, you know, again, I was a good club player, good club junior. But I think my my um, my self confidence in in my own ability, in my own game, outweighed my ability enormously. Like mm. I thought I was a lot better than what I actually was. Um, so I, I I didn't really particularly win anything. I wasn't a decorated junior junior. I didn't like I said I didn't travel very far or travel very well. But in my head I was, I was still like the best I could be, <laughs> yeah. which is weird a weird way of thinking really. So it was when I again got to 18, 19 and I started playing in these, in these more local PGA events and mm. going, I've played really well today and I've, and I've lost by six <laughs> in one round. Yeah. And I thought, no, I'm not, I'm not a player. What was it that just wasn't quite? 
I just didn't have that killer instinct. Right. I just didn't have, my best round mm. wasn't good enough. Like even at local PJ level, mm. like my best round was level par one or two under. Where like local PJ lads were going out and shooting six under. I was going, no, I don't think I can do that. Like, right. There's nothing that I've proven, proven to myself that I can do that. Mm -hmm. And this is at such a local level. Mm. I only, this isn't, this isn't like, challenge tour yeah. or like you're a pro this is literally the first level and mm -hmm. i'm going i'm nowhere near this mm. i remember walking down the 18th one time and, I, and i've shot i've shot level par and i'm writing the winning speech i think I, i'm thinking i've won <laughs> i'm thinking i i can't play any better than today right and like i said i get in the clubhouse ready ready for a, a round of applause and to be hailed up yeah and like, i look at the leaderboard i'm like where's my name oh, oh god why the, <laughs> still scrolling why the hell am i at the bottom <laughs> so i think that was a real eye-opener for me and, and yeah genuinely no word of a lie the best thing that ever happened to me right because i switched my mindset completely okay and i went okay playing isn't for me mm. i think i've been tricking myself for seven eight years from when i first started playing to, to this kind of competition but it but it soon made me realize well i still love golf i still want to work in golf well what right. other jobs are there mm. and that's when i started to turn towards well maybe i could coach for a living maybe i could be a club pro for a living maybe i didn't think about being a youtuber yeah like, that was way out the, yeah, the, yeah, it wasn't yeah. even a thing um so yeah so I, I think because of those reckless years between 16 and 18 when i was at college i got all my kind of immaturity out and lots of nights out and lots of stupidity and by the time I was 18 I was kind of ready for work I wanted to kind of knuckle down and it was at that point where I realized I wasn't good enough and I was like okay I really need to pull my finger out here because this is all I've got mm. like I'm not ac academically clever I'm not going to suddenly become a, a doctor or a scientist mm -hmm. golf is all I've got really it's your yeah, yeah. yeah it's yeah. all I've got yeah so, so let's just go back like a, a few notches to growing up and what was your family life like? And you know, what role did did you did you have siblings? And where were your parents in this? What was what was life like for Junior Rick Shields? So my mum got me into golf. Okay. So my mum and dad separated when I was quite young, um, and my mum kind of brought me up. Really, I've got a much older sister. I've got a thirteen-year-old. My sister's thirteen years older than me. Okay. So kind of almost acted as like second mum <laughs> to oh, some degree. So nice. So I had, I had my mum. I had my second mum, which is my sister, <laughs> and I had my grandma living with me. Okay. So I was surrounded by women. Wow. Really. Amazing. Um, and, I, and I do think that taught me a lot. I think, I don't, I don't think I realised it at the time. Mm. But again, talking about growing up, I think I kind of, because I was the man of the house at such a young age, again, mm. I think I had to step up and, and be a little bit more mature. Because I spent a lot of time with my mum. My mum got me into golf. Mm. Uh, my mum ended up getting into golf much later on in life and I kind of got dragged to the driving range, not wanting to go to the driving range. <laughs> like my world was football. How old were you? 11. 11. Uh, probably 10. My world was football. That's all I lived for. Right. And then when my mum went and got lessons, she dragged me to the driving range and I was thinking, I can't think of anything worse. <laughs> Are you serious? And stuck me in a bay for an hour and I, and I didn't particularly enjoy it until probably everybody's magic moment and you yeah. just hit that one shot and you go well I actually felt quite good no, I, I actually quite like that yeah. and the next time she went for a lesson instead of dragging me yeah I was like could I come maybe uh -huh. <laughs> like could uh -huh. I could I come with you and then it stemmed from there and and so forth and we both joined the golf club together um like she really got into it she became like lady captain 
and I kind of became junior captain because it was quite a new golf course that we joined. Yeah. And I think that's the time spent together. Like, I don't think you spend a lot of time with your parents outside of their home normally, really, do you? Like, you well, no. Trips Especially, away like, whatever. as you get older, like... You don't oh, well, do social things together. Yeah, I mean, it, obviously the dynamic changes with your parents for your life, but I think when you're younger, there's obviously just life happening. But then when you get older, I find even more so it's a common thing that you can do together. But yeah, yeah you're right. When you're younger, it's like you're just living life and the hustle and the bustle. It must have been really nice. It was. And we did like trips away. We went to like the Isle of Arran. Wow. Remember this amazing trip. There's seven golf courses on the yeah, Isle of Arran. Yeah, 12 hole. One a of the little 12, a little 12 hole. And, and we went, we drove over in the car, got on the ferry, just literally me and my mum. And uh, I still remember this, like, it, I mean, it sounds a bit strange now, but we listened to, like, Whitney Houston. Like, that is amazing. <laughs> like, all trip, and we played these, we, we stayed in these little cottages, and we played all the different golf courses, and I've still got loads of pictures. And it's a memory that's really etched into my mind. Wow. Like, it's, re it's something that, you know, I was really lucky to be part of. And I, I know in the future, you know, once family have gone and, you know, whatever it may be, it's something that I'll always, always remember and always treasure. Mm. So, yeah, it was, it was a bizarre upbringing, not a bad upbringing, just, just probably a, in, in these days, a modern upbringing. You know, a lot of parents split up and Absolutely. part ways. And, um, you know, it, it, my mum that kind of taught me a lot of, a lot of life lessons. And like I say, I had to be the man in the house and she got me into golf. Um, I'd like to say with my sister, being on, my, being on my case as well for being so much older, mm -hmm. I probably didn't really get away with a lot, if I'm honest with you. And, and living, a lot of my, like my grandma lived with us. Um, and that was lovely. That I used to chat to her loads about life and what was it like back in the day and, mm. you know, what, what was it like for her growing up. And, and I think that's helped me appreciate what we have now. Yeah. Like, because you, when you speak to your grandparents about what they had, back then, I mean, we've got it so lucky now, haven't we, really? Yeah. You think, anyway. Well, my grandparents, my mum's side, they're from just across the water there, over in uh, Dundee. Um, my my grandpa used to work in the Timex factory, and I mean, yeah, just the you know there was all of them in this tiny wee house, and just yeah, <laughs> just amazing. We we are very very lucky, and I guess even more so in golf. Like, let's be honest, it's a very um, at times it's a very affluent place to be mm -hmm. and find yourself because you know, funnily enough, the history. Of, of obviously being here in, in the home of golf in St Andrews. You know, golf used to be a game of, of the people and, um, you know, it was like, it was the caddies and the workmen that, that used to play golf. And then yep. over time it became, you know, more of a, an upper class game and it's changed. But, you know, I think we are very lucky and you have obviously landed in a very good industry to experience so many different things around the world. It's crazy. And, and like, in fact, going on to that trip, what I did with my mum, yeah. Isle of uh, Aaron, we, we spent a week up here. We came to St Andrews. We, Did you really? Yeah, yeah. When you were little? When I was probably 12. I've got loads of pictures. I'll, I'll send them really? so you can put them in this video. No way. Because uh, last year when the Women's Open was on at Carnoustie, because yeah. we went to Carnoustie as well, so I, repli I tried to replicate as best I could these pictures that were like, tw um, how many years apart? Like 23 years apart. Perfect. I'll, I'll, I'll show them you. That you can put them so in this video. Cool. Oh, Honestly, amazing. it's fantastic. And again, it's, it's those things that would I have done those trips with my mum if I hadn't got into golf? Probably not, because no, you just cause don't. You yeah. weren't going to go on a spa weekend. No, really but she says to me, let's go to, you know, St Andrews. I'm like, 
Yeah. Let's go. Oh my God, yeah, that's, that's like amazing. It, it was at a time where I didn't really know of this magical place. Like, yeah. and I, I get very lucky now that I feel like I've been quite a lot recently, but <laughs> it never, never ceases to amaze. Yeah. And I think probably 12 year old Rick Shields probably thought the same, but you know, memories have passed since and I can't quite remember it, but I do remember spending time here and just loving it and, you know, spending time with my mum, which was really nice. How many people of, how many of your followers, your millions of followers, do you think know that your mum got you into golf? Probably not many. Because uh, I think that is, is such a, a wonderful story and actually it's so important to, you know, this isn't, I'm not wanting to go down a, a tangent here of like women and women in golf, but obviously we know women's golf is growing and it's grown massively thanks to the pandemic and you know, lots of different things that are going on in the world. Um, friends that used to be like, oh, yeah, that's Iona just doing her kind of golfy thing, you know, suddenly phoning me up, being like, oh, so what driver shall I get? You know, uh, I'd be really, down the yeah. um, so women's golf's on the up, which is the good news. But I think one of the key things that the RNA have really tried to do is to encourage mums to get into golf, because mm. quite often it is, it is, it can be the dads, but it can be the mums that yep. take the children wherever they go you know yeah. when I was little I was attached to my mum's hip and so wherever she went I went yeah. and if she had gone to the driving range I would have gone to the driving range and I didn't you know I didn't start playing golf till, till later on in my life but um, I think that that is a really good story of why you know mums and women and you know everyone but ultimately in this case women should be encouraged to play golf because it then feeds down to the next generation Huge. and that's what it's all about really. It's a shame now my, my mum probably when I started to really get into it unfortunately I probably um, I, I probably suffocated her ability to play as much right because does you she know, still play? She doesn't now and, and, I, and I do keep meaning to like kind of revisit it because yeah. I, I think she would like she loves watching it she talks about her boys, which are not, it's not me, by the way, right. her boys uh -huh. are Lee Westwood, uh -huh. Ian Poulter, a Rory McElroy, a Justin Rose. They're her boys. <laughs> like, so whenever she's watching like it's the Masters, yeah, because it, it's who we grew up playing golf yeah. with or, or watching, um, you know, and the fact that I've actually, I've pretty much done videos with all four of her boys now, <laughs> um, you know, she, she absolutely loves all that. So I think that's she still watches it she's still passionate about it yeah i must admit she's become she's become somewhat of a super fan of my videos yeah probably in the, only really in the last two years really? like before that she was like what's he doing <laughs> what, what's this video stuff where now she's like you know she used to pride herself on saying oh my, my son's a professional golfer right my son's a pga <laughs> pro and i think once i started to get into youtube and she was like oh, what's this uh -huh. but now she's like oh yes he's a, he's a youtuber he's got two million followers and so I think that's kind of, it, it took a while. It took but two I think, million to get there. Probably, yeah, <laughs> probably. Johnny took it serious, um, yeah, when, when I started hitting certain milestones. Right. But um, I think it's more of a, from a stature standpoint. Yeah. My mum was super proud of me when I became like a PGA pro. And, yeah. You know, got into the game of golf. That and, it, and probably as a parent now, you know, I would take huge pride if, if one of my kids became passionate about something that I'd introduced them to. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I would take, you know, I'm thinking, oh my God, this, I'm so honoured. Yeah. Whether it's golf or not, yeah. whether it's, you know, whatever they want to do. Um, but if I felt like I'd um, helped bring that passion out of them, I yeah. think I'd be really like honoured and quite like privileged, you know, later on in life. Yeah. Well, I was going to ask you, based on what you said about 10 year old Rick Shields and perhaps you wish he tried a little harder, maybe. Yeah. 
how does that influence your parenting? Because I know you've got three kids. Yeah. Am I right? Two girls and a boy. Yeah. So how does that sort of maybe sort of trickle into your parenting with those? My, with my I think if you ask my wife, <laughs> she would <laughs> she would maybe say that I'm not as patient as I could be. Okay. Um, and I think that's because I, I do genuinely want the best for them. Yeah. And, I, and I, I don't, I'd like to think I'm not pushy, but I certainly, you know, want them to do well and I want them to succeed as probably every parent does Absolutely. Um, and, and I'd love it if they got into golf but also I'm happy if they don't and they want to get into something else you know my eldest daughter Ivy who's seven at the moment soon to be eight she's kind of it's very interesting how my three children play golf at the moment because she she does it to spend time with me so as the oldest she's probably felt like her nose has been pushed out with her, with the two younger siblings yeah. so any minute she can get alone with either me or my wife she'll take and and jump on um, so any minute playing golf with me feels like it's a minute of me and her time which is really nice even if, like we downloaded this weekend the golf game on on the nintendo switch Epic, yeah. and we've been playing it constantly <laughs> and 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 it's good because as much as it's, it was just like a Mario golf game, yeah. but it's introducing her to terms like par and birdie and mm -hmm. bogey and double bogey and certain different shots that she might hit, like hitting a driver or hitting a putter. Yeah. And when you're on the putting green, you, ca you have to get the line to the, to the certain power point, otherwise it'll go off the green or it'll yeah, be too yeah, short. Yeah. And it's those little things now that I feel really happy that she's starting to pick up on and learn and mm -hmm. as, as I've been taking her a bit more to driving range or we've got a little putting green in the garden and look I've got a golf simulator at home like she'll she'll hit shots and she'll she'll do it to spend time with me yeah, so lovely my middle my middle daughter or my youngest daughter who's five soon to be six um she is interested in hitting it right. really hard okay <laughs> gives it five minutes of her attention and she's out but she can really hit it and then my little boy who's three soon to be four he um he he kind of he seems really in, he sometimes when he's with me he doesn't seem that bothered but the amount of times i'll catch him in the garden like we've got a little putting green a bit similar to this one up here yeah and he and i'll just pop my head out and i've got the, all these clubs lined up on this like rack just to encourage him if they ever want to do it and i'll find him out there and he's like he's like practicing <laughs> He's like grinding. I don't like looking at him going, oh yeah, this is good. And, I'm, and I'm, not, I'm not genuinely not even encouraging him. Like we've got a floodlight up and sometimes certainly through the winter, like I can hear, I'll see the floodlight pop on. I'm thinking, what's he up to out there? And I pop my head around and he's there like practicing these little ports. I'm like, all right, we've got some, we've got some, but they all seem keen. Yeah. Just all at different levels, but mm. that's also like their personalities a little bit. Um, so, so I think I'm, I don't believe I'm pushy, but I, I want them to try hard. I think that's where probably the lack of patience comes. Like I want them to push themselves and I want them to try hard. And probably it is a reflection on me mm. looking back and thinking at my life, I wish I tried a bit harder. Mm. It's interesting. Um, you know, I've had this conversation. Is he too loud? Yeah, is he too loud? Oh. Wait, is he too loud? This the type of vibe you want, by the way. Yes, it's, all right. it's brilliant. Is that okay for you? It's fine. I've, I've got yeah, no issues. Yeah. Right, but it's I don't worry. I'm so. Um, yeah, it's fine. I've got a studio, and it's like we have How like does it look lights like here. On this. Yeah. Nice. Is it all right? Well, as nice as it could be when it's black. Yeah, you. it's cool. I mean, we could have worse settings, really, could we? More than happy with this. <laughs> Are you, you get some nice? Did you, no. Did you get some nice B-roll of while the sun was still up? Um. 
No, because we were we really arrive. tight for time, oh. yeah. We will get some, but obviously we, we've had, Emily's only just landed, so everything was already like set in stone, but thankfully we're from around this neck of the woods, so I'm sure we'll get some B-roll. As tomorrow's Yeah, exactly. We've got a lot <laughs> of time on our hands tomorrow. Oh, sorry, I've messed it up. Yeah, <laughs> no, no, it's all good. And then sometimes, you know, it's funny how in life, like the unplanned things can often be, you know, just exactly as they're meant to be. Yeah. Certainly my life's played out that way. But, <laughs> but um, anyway, so I was, I was saying that, um, you know, I don't have any kids, so I'm speaking from complete inexperience here, but I often wonder to myself when hopefully I will have kids, how if you are in a position where you can give things to your kids, are you preventing them from developing like that kind of grit and resilience that perhaps you you want them to have so that they will push for their whatever it might be if it's golf if it's art if it's law you know how do you tackle that with your your kids challenging it is i have a lot of heated debates with my wife about it right because i think maybe I I didn't I never got given everything I wanted. I, I was fortunate. I was never I never struggled in life growing up and stuff. My mum would always like you know off one salary would would try her absolute best for me to have the best shoes at school or nice coats or whatever it may be. So mm. I, I, I was quite privileged in that manner, definitely. I was just look at my kids now and sometimes think, oh, should we be a little bit harder with them? Like like you know I had this massive argument with my wife pre Christmas, right? <laughs> So it's always Christmas, isn't it? Tablets are popular now, yeah. as you know. Yeah. iPads, whatever it may be, and I really, really wanted to do my absolute best and not. I want, I want my kids to be bored. Yeah. Because I think it's a really important so lesson. Important. So like, important. When we grew up, we were bored. Yeah. Like when I sit in the back of the car, I'm bored. Yeah. That's okay. The problem is now with modern world, and I'm, I'm just as bad. And you'll be. We got our phones. You know, we're never bored. Never bored. No. And I do think it's a skill that. If we're not careful, I, I do think it's one that we need. Yeah. So I was really adamant we're not getting them tablets. No way, no way, no way, right? So I got my wife, I got my wife tablet. Right. Um, probably for a birthday back end of last year. Uh, so it's your tablet, okay? It's your tablet. Yeah. You do what you want with it, but it's yours. Inevitably, not long after the kids have got it. It's like the code. We learnt the code and they're all surrounded it. I'm like, no, and I, and, I, and it's so it, it's so um, um, what's the right word? Um, Ironic. Oh, no, almost like hypocritical of me to say okay. that they shouldn't be on YouTube. Ah, got you. <laughs> my, my whole career is based on YouTube, yeah. so like, but they'll be on like YouTube Kids, uh -huh. and I'm like, don't be watching this rubbish, like, <laughs> and I'm like, well, I can't really say a lot, can I? But. What what frustrated me? So they had one they had one tablet, and again it wasn't theirs; it was my wife's. Mm. Next thing, we get we get two tablets because they're fighting over one, right? So I'm like, oh, begrudgingly, I get two tablets. Oh, They've got no. to share two tablets. That's it, go. right? And then pre-Christmas, we we got into an argument, and we had friends around, and they were they have three kids, and the the conversation of how many how many tablets do your kids have? And I'm thinking, <laughs> oh, are we actually are we actually having this conversation <laughs> about how many? For, I mean, think about all the things that are going on in the world, all these un, underprivileged kids and all this. And we're, we're whinging because they've only got two tablets. Anyway, yeah. I, was, I was absolutely like against it. No, nowhere am I buying it. Nowhere am I buying it. Next thing I've ordered one on Amazon. I'm oh, like, no. I'm, but I'm, I must admit, that, that's kind of more the battle of, of not 
spoiling them. Yeah. The one thing that I really, really try and do with them is, um, and again, I, I, by no means am I, you know, a, a saint and, and, you know, look after people, but as in like, if at any point we see anybody that's struggling and like, I like to show the kids, like if we, if we go past a homeless person or whatever it may be, like be kind, buy them food, try and give them money mm. or, or even just have a chat with them. And I, that's really opened my, my, certainly my eldest daughter's eyes and, and I really want to try and instill that on her and all the kids that, you know, you've got it lucky mm. and, you know, it's not, it's not like this for everybody. Mm -hmm. Not everybody has a house, not everybody has clothes, not everybody has a tablet each. Yeah. Like, so I'm, I really try and, and do it, but I, I must admit the one thing that I do struggle then is how to insert that grit back in. Because yeah. as much as I can teach them to be empathetic and to be, you know, to be spoiled, mm. that's one side. But yeah. actually, how do, you mo how, do you, how do you insert the grit to yeah. get them motivated? Yeah. Um, so, we, so I do a lot of challenges. For example, at the moment, the golf clubs that I bought them um, for, through lockdown, they've got a bit tatty and the grips are falling off and this and the other. So I have been thinking about, right, I'm not just going to go and buy them new golf clubs. I'm not. I'm absolutely against it. I'm going to make them earn it. Yeah. I'm going to make them make them want want new golf clubs. Like I want them to to feel that they have to do something in return for it. Really. Yeah. Um, but it, but it's it is challenging. Certainly in modern days, and I think it's only going to get worse mm -hmm. as they go to high school and. Yeah. It's almost at the next bet. Like my my seven year old daughter's already asking me about a phone. Yeah. I'm like, you are you for real? Like it. it but then again, there will be a point where I'll, I'll have to get them a phone. Yeah. And I, and I just worry I don't want to buy them the best phone, like, because mm -hmm. it's not teaching them anything, is it no. really? So it's hard. I don't think there's a solid, I've not got a definitive answer for it. Yeah. Um, but but it, it's definitely something I'm conscious of. Mm. I think a lot of the time, you know, successful people in the world and all different walks of life, when you, you know, get the chance to learn about their story. And you were talking about listening to podcasts and things on the way up. I listened to one of my favorite podcasts is a podcast called How to Fail by Elizabeth Day. Oh yeah. Have you listened to that? No, but I've heard about, I've heard of Elizabeth Day on another podcast. Oh really? I'm sure she was not on High Performance Podcast. She maybe. probably has been, I think yeah. she was. Well, her podcast is all about um, learning from people's failures so we can learn to succeed better. And she has, you know, most amazing guests I'd really recommend it and it's basically them talking about the three biggest failures in their life and why basically 99% of the time those failures turn out to be the making of the person yeah. and I know that we sit here and we say this it doesn't make the, the failure or the moment any easier but so often it's it's the moment of pain in your life or you know, the real struggle that you've had that has catapulted you into the position of success wherever said person finds themselves. Yeah. Have you had a moment, do you feel, that came before the success you've had in the last sort of, you know, the 10 year journey that you've been on that perhaps was the catalyst? Um, I think kind of failures would be, um, I would say the biggest the biggest failure I had, and again, it goes back to the point before, I just, I was never good at school. Like, right. and, I, and I feel like I failed school. Okay. I feel like I, from an academic standpoint, 
Um, I, I struggled through exams. I scraped through to get into college. Like I didn't particularly enjoy learning, and and I, I kind of felt like at all opportunities, my academic side really held me back. Right. And, and I probably it doesn't matter how much enthusiasm or passion I had for it. I, just, I was just never bothered about writing, mm. and you know actually doing work it just mm. it, it bored me to, to shreds but then because of that I, I did fail I failed exams I failed you know I failed um important exams to get me into certain places or to get me better positions or whatever it may be so I think that that one was was quite an early one yeah and I always remember thinking to myself if I can, as long as I can find a job where I don't have to write I think I'll be fine because it's just, I just don't like it. Yeah, it's just well, not it's my not for thing. Everyone, yeah. And and actually, since we've re realised we've had my, my eldest daughter diagnosed and she's got dyslexia. Right. And I see a lot of patterns in myself in her. And, and I think I probably had dyslexia growing up. Yeah. I've never been tested for that. But from what I see from her, and, and I believe it is um, hereditary, mm. I look at it and go, maybe I, maybe I was, because I just never enjoyed that side of it and I always struggled. So I think that was kind of a failure because in my friend circle, they were quite you know clever and academically clever i felt like i was falling behind so i had to try harder in other aspects and i think that's where my personality kind of flourished because i had to be i had to be engaging to them in a, in a different way yeah, potentially. yeah 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 um and then possibly there was there was a time when when i turned pro and i was i was a golf coach at trafford golf center big driving range in manchester yeah and it got taken over and, and in that takeover, it got the actual driving range got shut down. Right. And literally, I was super getting super super busy, and, and literally the gate shut, done, game over. This oh was two thousand and ten. Right. And kind of, I'd only been there for a year or so, and I was just getting into my stride. I'm thinking, this is it. You know, this is such a great job, and this and other. And the gate shut, and there was four of the golf pros there at the time. Me, me, and three others. Sorry, and. I remember that happened and, and you know, I think that, that was a real turning point there where I saw others shelter and, because this, this was a point of failure, right? This felt yeah. like failure, yeah. like, even though it was it was unpredictive failure. Not your fault. And not, not actually, we didn't, we didn't cause this failure, but it was a failure. And it really showed me a lot about my, my grit and yeah. determination because I, I remember waking up that very next morning or going home to my, because we, we, I hadn't got married at this point. I got married in 2013, so I was saving up for a wedding. Right. And I remember waking up that, or going home to my fiance at the time saying, I've just literally lost my job. Oh my word. Like, what am I gonna do? Yeah. And I woke up that next morning and I literally woke up super early in the morning. I still really vividly remember it. It's one of those, one of those days or a couple of days that I really remember got my laptop out as much as I hate typing and stuff and I, and I typed out this incredible cover letter and my, <laughs> my wife my wife-to-be was a school teacher so she really helped me on that yeah wrote out this brilliant CV and everything and printed 30 copies off right and that day I started at eight o'clock in the morning and I, and I had this map and I pinpointed all these places that I could go and coach at wow and I drove to each one of them drove to each one of them can I speak to the head pro can I speak to the owner can I do this can I do that here's my CV I've got this client base I can bring here and this that, and the other and genuinely in one day I'd got offered six jobs wow and I remember speaking to all the three pros the day after the, the same day and said right lads what you know what have you, what have you been doing and all of them had sat at home and I, and, I, and I think that was a real reflection of me and I thought 
I do think I've got some fight in me here. Yeah. I'm not going to say no. I'm not going to take no for an answer. I, I'm going to have some fight. And then the very next day, I didn't stop there. I wanted more job offers. Like, yeah. so I did. I did I <laughs> print another thirty off. Yeah. And, and you know, I genuinely that like I had in in like two or three days, I had like eight eight job offers. I'm thinking, okay, I, I can take my pick now. I'm in the position. I'm in a stronger position now. Mm. Long story short, a week later, the driving range got bought by someone else and it actually reopened again, fortunately. Oh, really? But I think that that showed to me, regardless of whether it worked out in the end or not, yeah. I think it really showed to me this kind of like, you're not going to lie down. Like, mm. this is, you know, you, you as much as you aren't the cleverest, as because academically I, sh I showed that, as much as you aren't the best or whatever, there is passion there. Yeah, like, brilliant. And, and I was like, so so I, they might not be the greatest examples, I'm sure after this I'll be thinking, oh, I should have said that. But <laughs> what, the two that definitely stand out to me, yeah. from, from school not being academically clever and failing a lot in school, mm. and, then, and then this kind of job, when my, when my dream job collapsed overnight, right. yeah. I think those two points kind of showed me that, no, I can, I can get through life and mm. I don't have to be super clever and I don't have to rely on others. I, I can I can make it work somehow. Mm -hmm. That get up and go is such a valuable quality in life, yeah. I think. And I remember reading this thing a while ago about the concept of sharing or not sharing ideas. And I think, you know, in, in creative spaces and lots of different walks of life, you have people, and I've come across them, I think of my friend Denzel down in um, London, he owns a, a record label called Platoon, but he has had the most amazing career. He's, you know, in his 60s now, but he's one of these people, when I spend time with him, I, I, I observe how much he brings people in and he, and he shares, um, shares, 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 shares. And I, I've said to him before, and I've had conversations with him where I've said, you know, why, how come you're so, you know, he'll meet someone else with another record label 400 yards down the road and he'll go, yeah, come and see this, come in, come in. Wow. Look at my studio and look at what we're doing and have you seen this software? And and I, sometimes I've been like, Denzel, like, wow, you know, how are you? <laughs> yeah, like, how have you done this? And he's like, and he was the one that said to me, the step between hearing something and thinking of an idea and actually implement, implementing it Huge. is a very, very big step. Huge. And he said, and if somebody makes the step, it's probably better for everyone that we know what, what they're gonna do because we'll all move forward. If you find someone who is prepared to make the step and create something, then it's likely gonna be worthwhile yep. and it'll benefit us all. And it's a great I, way to think. I just thought, wow. Yeah. And he said, you know, I'll tell, for every hundred people you tell all these ideas to, or you share all your creative concepts with, you'd be lucky to find one that actually yeah. has the get up and go to go and implement 100%. it. So that, quality that you clearly possess maybe explains a little bit more about the success that you've had in in your youtube channel and it's starting i'm, I'm trying to figure out the inner workings of rick shields because nothing comes from nowhere right you you haven't created this by luck this is something that's been built out of your hard work no doubt blood sweat and tears on the way and so that I think that's probably quite an important quality. It's like a, a 10 year overnight success. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, it's, it's funny you say that, a, a bit like your friend Denzel. I, I think I wasn't like that at first. So at first, when I started YouTube, or I started coaching and, and building a, a really popular coaching um, business, 
I was so protective of all my information. Mm. You know, I don't, I don't show you anything. <laughs> this is mine and I want all this. And I think it took me a while to feel comfortable and to feel confident in, in I can tell people these ingredients mm. doesn't mean it's going to work for them. Doesn't mean they're going to implement it. Yeah. yeah. And, and since that, and, and since getting to a position where I do feel more comfortable and, and less vulnerable, like I think at first I was quite vulnerable thinking, yeah, but if I tell everyone my secrets, this uh -huh. isn't, this, it's not going to work out good for me. But I think over time, I, I definitely do feel more confident now to be able to go, yeah, I can tell you my secrets. I can tell you what, or not my secrets, what I do, what's my what's my day-to-day -day workings. As much as people in my business would, would be scared, I think. Yeah. I feel comfortable that I've told a lot of people and 1% of that have actually done anything about it. Yeah. Really. Yeah. Like, the rest haven't. Or, or if they... If, I've got friends of mine who are fellow golf pros who I told what I'm doing is five, six years ago mm. and they never acted on it and some of that are acting on it now mm. and it's like, well, it might just be a little bit late. You could have done with doing this six or seven years ago but you yeah. can't, you can't, you know, you can, what's the saying, you can take a horse to water but you can't make it drink. Yeah. Like, it's the same idea. Yeah. Um, but I think that comes with, with self-confidence and, and having that ability to go, I'm all right in this space. Mm. Like, I'm comfortable. And that's why I like seeing new YouTube channels that are killing it and doing great. Because I can take inspiration from them. Yeah. I can look at other channels and go, oh, I like that. Oh, yeah, I like what they've done there. Yeah. Or that edit was sick. Let's try and do something like that. Or I'll show it to my team and go, can we do something similar to this? In yeah. our own style. Yeah. But there's someone else that's new that's pushing the boundary exactly. or whatever it may be. So, yeah. And I always, I love this, this um, saying, rising tides rise together. And I think that's really like, I've had peers inside the golfing world, mm. you, even golfing YouTube world, that helped me in my first journeys. Yeah. So like, um, Jill Pierce and Andy from Me and My Golf. Yeah. So those guys, when I very, very first started, I, I had a tiny channel compared to those guys. You know, they reached out and said, you know, great, what, great work, what you're doing. This is, this is class. And, wow. and I actually got that same from peers, from, from Me and My Golf, rising tides rise together. Cause I was like, yeah, I think they do. Like wow. we don't have, we can be, we can all work in the space. Yeah. You know, when I first started, there was four YouTube channels. Yeah. I've seen a list recently of six hundred golf YouTube channels. Really. So like, but this, the, they're all different. Yeah, in, yeah, in their yeah. own little way. Yeah. They have to be because there's not the same content. And like you say, you know, boundaries are always always going to continue to be pushed. And I think sometimes I was chatting to my brother about this the other day about. I think sometimes we, for, we we fall into the trap of thinking like our lifetime is the only lifetime. Like there's going to be people that come after us, after us, after us, after us. And imagine if our generation were able to really push that boundary to this limit rather than this limit, you know. And it takes, a, I believe, it takes a collaborative like zooming out of kind of right. This is actually like how significant we are in this whole yeah, big thing. Big and and perhaps it's about you know pushing those boundaries in a way that's more open, so that people can continue to push them further and higher. Hundred percent. If we're all going, you know, and I don't just mean in the YouTube space. I mean in life. You know, I feel like that's a good lesson for across the board. I I, I learned it from Denzel, but you know, I feel like, um, you know. There's different outlooks you can have on life, but I imagine that in the YouTube space where you're 
constantly putting yourself out there online all the time. It's your face. This is Rick Shield show. Like you are there. You know, it's taking me on to my next kind of area of interest, which is kind of how you handle being so exposed all the time to people who, as we know online, it's not always a very friendly place. No. And especially, weirdly, well, not, not especially in golf. You know, golf has got a very friendly bunch in the main, but occasionally you just get people who, who just very opinionated, I find. And how do you handle that? It's taken almost 10 years really? <laughs> to be honest. Yeah, no, it's, it's, there's definitely been times where it's, it's affected me way more than I ever thought it was going to. Because I, I never got into this to be a YouTuber. Like that was never the plan. I think I think some people who who have maybe come onto the channel more recently think this was all orchestrated. This is what was going to happen. It absolutely wasn't. Like, so just quickly then, before you answer that question, what was the well? It, it was to, it was to promote myself. Yeah. I literally I was a golf pro at the, at the driving range at Trafford, and it just shut down and it opened again. And I was thinking, right, I need to I need to get busy. And the other three lads were pretty busy, and I wasn't super busy. And because um, I was a new one in, I was a new kid. Yeah. And I thought, well, how do I get super busy? And I remember golf pros that I used to look up to were all on the front cover of the golf magazines. Yeah. You know, that, or in the back page of the newspapers or yeah. on, on Sky or VV, like that, that. They're the pros that I knew about. Got you. After that, I knew nothing about anybody. Yeah. So I always remember, and again, probably about the same time, 2011, I, I wrote um, an email to every single golf magazine I can think of. Really? Like, around the world. Yeah. Everyone. And, you know, I, I tried to put my proposal across. I'm a new, young, PJ golf professional, lots of enthusiasm, make it really simple. You know, let, let's work together. Yeah. Let, let's do this. Like, yeah. like I, can, I can bring something. Yeah. You know, I'm, you know, let's, let's... And it's, it was my attempt to kind of... Um, not over... Not over... Um, not not down the, the the existing pros that were up there, but kind of bringing it from a fresh approach because there were so many. It's again, I, I grew up in the golf boom of Tiger, 2000, uh, 1997. There's a lot of new people coming into golf. Let's have some new faces that are giving instruction. Why yeah. does it have to always be the 50 year old, 60 year olds that teach on tour? Yeah. Why does it have to be that? So that was my and, and why did I do it? Because I wanted to become busy. I wanted to become popular. Yeah. Or, or you know have a full teaching diary. 99% of the emails I got back was no, we don't, we don't, you know, you don't hold the credentials. And at the time I didn't. Right. I'd, I'd been teaching three years. What, what did I know compared yeah. to some of these guys who've been teaching 40 years? You right. Know what I, mean? I didn't have anything that really interested me. Kind of like com computer says no. Yeah, and, and I, and I kind of got it. So at the time I, I was incredibly passionate about social media, um, Twitter, MySpace, Facebook. Um, and I was I was a massive fan of technology, and again I think maybe because because I'm not super literate, it was soon I could see things I could see pictures. I remember getting the very first ever iPhone, and I was like, oh my god, like this is these are pictures yeah. and the videos, and yeah, it's yeah. like it's all exciting. I remember watching wow. YouTube way back in the day, like almost when YouTube was very first created. I remember watching it and going. It's the best thing I've ever seen in my life. Like <laughs> I'm seeing things I don't normally get to see. This yeah, is yeah. incredible. Wow. So, so, and, and I remember when, way, way, way before um, YouTube and the things that I did on YouTube, when I was an assistant pro, going through training, 
um, I'd have my phone and a board Saturday afternoon and nobody was in the shop. I'd go on Twitter because it was the, it was a time where Twitter was just blowing up really, probably mm. 2008, 2009. And I'm going on Twitter and it was it was when you could actually see, let's say somebody had tweeted David Ledbetter, okay? I could see everybody that tweeted David Ledbetter. You could see everybody's mentions, right. everybody from everybody. Okay. And he used to, every now and again, handpick a video from, from a follower and give them an al analysis uh, right. of the golf swings. Got obviously, you. brilliant. Yeah, like, yeah. When are you ever going to get an analysis from David Ledbetter? <laughs> so, so I took the initiative to go, well, hold on, okay. He's answering one every three days. Hundreds of people are sending in videos, yeah. hundreds. So what I used to do, board side afternoon, picked up my phone, go on Twitter, David Ledbetter replies or mentions, and I would then, everybody who I, who he hadn't replied to, uh. I would reply. <gasps> so, and I, I used to use a hashtag is, if you don't get answered. <gasps> was that it? Ha hashtag if you don't get answered. That is genius. I'm sure it was, yeah. That is so absolutely I used, I used genius. So I used to start with the hashtag, hashtag if you don't get answered, uh -huh. and I would apologize. Really sorry, I know you, you want David Ledbetter. However, <laughs> I'm a PJ Pro. That's this amazing. is what I've seen in your golf swing, X, Y, and Z. Yeah. And inevitably, you get a response back. 99% of the time, it was really positive. Loving it, yeah. Like, oh my God, thank you so much. That's... I'll work on that. Some of the people say, sod off, who the hell are you? Yeah, yeah. But most of the time, it was like, brilliant. And I remember I remember being in the shop doing this loads. I used to do it loads. And, and it was like, you know, suddenly I was up to 100 Twitter followers. Yeah. And I was like, this is quite cool. And yeah. then you got to 1,000, because everyone that I tweeted, I followed, and they yeah. followed me back and everything else. I remember pros asking me at the time, why are you doing this? Uh -huh. And at the time, I had no idea. Mm. I don't know. I'm bored. Mm -hmm. Why not? Why, yeah. I, I have no idea. Yeah. But I love technology. I love social media. I love helping people play better golf. Yeah. Like, I don't know why I'm doing it. And he's like, but why are you telling them all your secrets? I was like, I don't know. Why not? Yeah. Like, this guy's in Kansas. He's never going to come to me for a golf lesson. <laughs> this guy's in Adelaide. He's never going to come to me for a golf lesson. Yeah. But that's okay. I, I'm all right with that. So then... When um, I wanted to become a busy golf coach, I got all my rejection letters from golf magazines saying no. Um, I, I thought, well, hold on, maybe, maybe, maybe you, you know, I suddenly, and, and there was, I wasn't the first person, there was other YouTube golfers out there doing stuff. It was literally a handful, two or three of them. I was like, I think I could do that. So I started like making videos and, and this is, you'll like this story. So I, I came out of school with hardly any actual proper academic qualifications. So I was terrible in English, terrible in maths, terrible in science, blah, blah, blah. I came out with two main qualifications. I got an A in PE, so physical education. Nailed it. And an A star in drama. Yes, that's phenomenal. And what's my job? <laughs> These two. Like, that's what I did. That's amazing. So I think because I, I, I used to love being plays at school, yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I used to play like the, the main roles in the school plays, I used to love PE, I used to love football, golf, whatever it may be. Um, and because I love technology. So anyway, long story short, back in like 2012, I thought, well, let, let's try and do something. And I started just posting, my very first video was actually, a, 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 I installed a camera up in the roof at the, at the golf facility I was at. And nobody, I'd never really seen that camera angle before. Normally yeah. you see the two line, down the line and face on. So I put it up there and did a video. And it's still, it's still out there now. It's literally just a 15 second video of me swinging with this camera up, up and above. I thought that was quite cool and they got a few comments. That's a cool angle. What do you get to see from that? Well, you get to see path and you get to see spine tilt and you get to see ball position. I'd, I'd reply to a few yeah, comments yeah. thinking this is quite cool. <laughs> and I go, well, let's see what else I could put out there. And, and, and so, yeah, I'd end up 
I don't, because I still remember this. I probably I was probably at 10 or 15 videos deep into upload, and again, it was dead slow start, as everyone is as a YouTuber, like one view, five views, 10 views, 15 views, 20 views, like whatever. Yeah. I remember uh, my catchment area of golf lessons, I never spoke to anybody outside of a 10 mile radius of, of the golf facility, yeah. ever. Like if somebody came out of a 10 mile radius, you're like, you're lost. Yeah. Why the hell are you coming seeing me? Yeah. <laughs> and I remember my very first phone call from YouTube, because I used to put my number on the old videos. Oh, really? And um, got a phone call, hey Rick, I've seen your, um, I've seen your videos. Can I can I come and book a lesson? I'm wow. like, oh, absolutely not a problem. Where are you, where are you coming from? Newcastle. <laughs> and I'm suddenly thinking, what? what? It's working. Uh-huh. Like it's it's happening. I've made it. So this guy would travel all the way down, and I used to think to myself, well, he's he's gone past a thousand other golf pros to come to me in Manchester. It's a three-hour journey to yeah. come to me in Manchester wow. because he liked my video. And I wasn't making any money from YouTube, but but indirectly I was. Mm. So, and I'd kept doing it and kept doing it and kept doing it. And, and I'd, I'd make YouTube videos in every spare minute of every hour, God sent, because my teaching diary started to get really busy. And it was no coincidence, as I started YouTube, my teaching diary got incredibly full. I became the, the busiest golf coach by a country mile there. Wow. And the only difference was I was doing YouTube. So going back to your question about the trolls, the, the, that, this was never meant to happen. Mm. Like, um, this is an accident, really. Wow. This, was a, this was an advertisement tool. Yeah. And it's only about two or three years later when I first started, monetization turned on. And I was like, hmm, so I can make money from these videos. And I was like, well, why don't I take a day off teaching and make more videos? Okay, that's interesting. Well, that's kind of covered its costs. Okay, what about if I took two days off coaching and did two days, so now I'm gonna do, I'm gonna do four days coaching, two days making YouTube videos, yeah. okay? And I thought, well actually, what about, I quite like this, what about if I made three days of YouTube and three days coaching? Amazing. And then over time, it's gone, it's gone full, t- full tilt YouTube, yeah. so. But again, sorry to interrupt, but I just think, if you didn't have the get up and go, what might have happened in another parallel universe, which doesn't exist, is you might have gone, I'll, slowly right two days youtube four days coaching three days coaching three days youtube and these three days might have become off days yeah you know and just quite cozy in my bed this morning 100 oh look at the time it's yeah. midday oh it's, the light's a bit dark i'm probably just going to leave it till tomorrow yeah. like that get up and go is clearly what's kept you going from rung to rung to rung yeah. to rung and it wasn't it wasn't as if it was any easier doing my youtube days I, I probably maybe enjoyed them a little bit more because it was a bit different, a bit exciting. It's like, oh, this is quite new. But equally, at the end of the day, I was just as knackered both days, whether yeah. I was doing 12 hours coaching oh, yeah. or, or six hours of YouTube and six hours of editing, if not. Because yeah. I used to edit and everything myself. And I learned all that myself. I didn't know, I didn't, and I learned all that through YouTube, ironically. Right. So, um, so I, think, I think when you started to get a few negatives, it kind of, it like really like hit you. You're like, Whoa, where did that come from? Yeah. So everything was rosy, everything everything was good at this point. Like I say, I'd probably experienced a tiny bit of it when I was giving unsolicited advice on Twitter to David Ledbetter's followers. Yeah. <laughs> so so I kind of expected it then. Yeah. Because I, I I probably shouldn't have been there. Like yeah. you didn't ask for me. You yeah, ask, yeah, you, you yeah. Know, but I, hey. but I, I'm kind of in there. But it was when I was starting to put things out and it was like, you know, on YouTube and it and you get a few negatives. Mm. And and there's certain times where you could just have had a bad day, just a crap day, right? Yeah. And you get home and you just want to relax. And because 
comments are on your phone all the time. <coughs> Excuse me. You pick up your phone, ready to chill out for the evening. Yeah. First comment, I absolutely hate you, Rick. Uh. I think, oh, that wasn't very nice. Yeah. And, and you can, I, can read, I can read 10 or 15 lovely ones. Next one, you're, you're terrible at golf. Yeah. It'd be worse than that. You're terrible <laughs> that at golf. That was well edited. And it's like, it's like, oh. And you read another 10 or 15 beautiful ones, amazing yeah. ones. You've helped me game, you've done this. You forget those. Yeah, it's funny, isn't it? <coughs> Sorry. You're not drinking enough whiskey. I know. <laughs> and, then, and then, like you say, you'd roll down and, and it was the negative. And certainly if you've had a yeah. bad day, and you might have had a drink and you think, oh, God, I feel crap now. Yeah. I was feeling all right. I was feeling crap before, and now I feel really crap. And there's certainly a few times where my wife has been instrumental, like ridiculously instrumental in all of this to go, but who have you? Yeah. Who, who are those people? Who, who was that that left you a negative comment? I'm like, I don't know. Just a username. Well, <laughs> why are you bothered? Yeah. Why are you bothered? Because yeah. it's hard, but it's hard. It's an easy really way hard. to say that. Yeah. And so what she's got really good at in, in certainly over the time that I've been, well, I've been with her for um, 15 years or so now. So she's seen it from literally conception all the way to where it is now, is she's got really clever at like, she'll follow me. She's not really, she's not into golf, but she'll follow me on all my socials and stuff because I make her. <laughs> uh, but what she'll do quite cleverly is she'll skim through the comments and she'll pick up a few really positive ones and she'll remind me that night She'll go, oh, I've had the lovely message I saw on your Facebook today. Yeah. Like, from John. Um, I see him comment loads. He said how much you've helped him, like, with his game. Wow. And it's just, it's cause, because it's verbalised. Yeah. And it's coming from my wife. It's yeah. so much more powerful. Oh, wow. I'm like, oh, yeah, that, that's quite nice. That. And I kind of like, like. That's I, amazing. I have a little bit of, a, like, a, a strut on me because I think. That's quite nice, that. So, so she's got really good at kind of diffusing those situations. Yeah, but her. also, like. Well, she didn't want me in a bad mood, really. Like, <laughs> but I think over time as well, you, you, and I'm sure you've had it in your industry, you just get thick skin, don't you? Well, you do. <laughs> I think it's, it's really hard. Yeah, I think, you know, I think golfers generally, I find I'm, I'm working in a different sphere to you, though. And, you know, I think, you know, you don't get you don't get loads and loads. You get the odd tweet here and there from people watching live TV, but they don't really, you know, they're not. It's not like up until this point, I haven't really done a lot of kind of YouTube and stuff on social media. Really, I know my Instagram's quite active, but they're a pretty lovely bunch on there. They well, I think it's certainly if they follow you on Instagram. Yeah, they're there for you. They're yeah, following you. they're pretty nice. But I have got a little folder on my. Um, on my computer, on my laptop, it's, it's, it's titled Nice Comments. And it's, it's those comments are actual emails that people have sent me, gone out of their way to send me about, you know, an interview they've seen me doing with Sky or with on the European tour, DP World Tour. And I save them for the really tough days I'm having at work. Great. Where I've really made a huge mistake or like I, I'm beating myself up or, um, you know, like the time I called um, Dustin Johnson, Justin Donson live on TV. And you, know, you just need little reminders. Like, it happens, of course it does. So I've got that little folder like saved um, because I do find, and, and you know, it, it is hard constantly putting yourself out there. And I wonder if you've ever had moments where you've thought, I've had enough. Um, no, no, I don't think I have. Right. Um, I don't know why it took me so long to think of that, but I, no, I don't, 
I think because I don't know actually that's really probably a really good question um, have, I, have I ever thought about giving up no because I think the positives ridiculously outweigh the negatives like and, and also in some in some regards like I love it so much and I get so much enjoyment out of it. The whole process still 10 years later after my first video. Yeah. I think it would take a lot to really like, to, like some negative comments wouldn't, you know, yeah. block people or delete people yeah. or whatever. Yeah. Um, and it's never that bad. Like, they're just petty little comments. You know I don't mean? know about you, but I find often if someone sends me a petty comment um, and I reply saying like, you know, know thanks for say. getting in touch and um, I'm sorry that you think this, but actually what you didn't see was, you know, this and this happened right before the interview or whatever. And then immediately they'll come back going, oh, hi, Una. like, I, I'm so sorry. Like, I really, I really didn't mean to upset. And I think your stuff is great. And suddenly, you know, it, someone told me this analogy, right? Put your hand up. If I went to punch you and you resisted, right? There's a, there's a, uh, if you, melt back right there's no resistance yes and so someone once taught me that analogy about if you our tendency as humans is to defend be like well no i didn't do it that because it is it and sometimes i find if i just mellow into something nasty often what comes out is it's great that they're really nice yeah and they don't mean it. And they might just have had a bad day. They just had a bad day. Yeah. And we've and, all and just had just, a bad day. And they just flicked on the TV and something you said, or they've flicked on YouTube and something I've said annoyed them. They've gone, I don't, I'm happy with that. Uh -huh. And they're just venting or whatever. Yeah. It, so yeah, it's um, it, it's part, the, the only one thing I must have, I was just going to say, the only one thing that I don't massively agree with is when people say, yeah, but it's part of it. You put yourself out there. I know, but I don't. I didn't. I never put myself out there for negativity. Uh huh. As, as you don't. No. Nobody. Nobody puts themselves out there for negativity. Like, no. unless you are. I was just saying to before. I was listening to a Piers, a Piers Morgan uh, podcast to drive up. Yeah. Like he goes out of his way to get to stir the Attrition, pot. Yeah. Like he irritation. he wants people to absolutely love him and also hate him. Yeah. He thinks that's that's. He's Abrasion. So he, he's going out there to get that. Mm. So he is putting himself out there to get those negative comments. Mm. And they should never be nasty. It should always be, you know, fair, fair. Um, but I don't think, I, I certainly don't do that. But not from what I've seen you do, You're not doing that. You're just certainly doing the job. No, and no I, think, I find it really tough. So I definitely try to avoid that, like, negative stuff. I haven't worked out the secret to not letting that affect one, you know, affect me. Um, my only best advice now, so when I've seen, um, so um, when I've seen negativity about other people, YouTubers, etc., and they get riled up about it, certainly if they've given me advice in the past, I'm probably not explaining this very well, I'll turn it back on them and say, well, what would you have said to me in that situation? Like if you're getting riled up, what would you have actually said to me in that situation? Like I, if I get a negative, if I got a negative comment, I was getting really riled up. Mm. Like you could say to me, well, what if it was a flip way back? What would you say to me? I say, well, just forget. Like it doesn't matter. Yeah. Not that it doesn't matter. It's water, water off a duck's back, or it's you know. But but when you're in it and it's your name and it's the targeting you, it's just really hard. Yeah. Um, but like I said the block button. Delete button button's pretty good so and good. also I find the reply button quite good just to actually go back with like
thanks for saying this. Uh, uh, you know, just this, anything that's that's not not going back with anger. Absorbive, absorbive. Yeah, then it seems to seems to work. So let's let's talk about some of the positives then, because you have, like you say, you've interviewed all your mum's boys, and you've, <laughs> you've had some um, unbelievable moments in your career. Um, I wish I had more time, to be honest, to watch your YouTube stuff. Like you can imagine, as you know, when you're so consumed in your job and my my job being golf, sometimes when I don't have time to, 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 I'm not working, I, I go away from golf, but I have watched plenty of your stuff and you've had some phenomenal like experiences in your life. So what, what, what are the real standouts for you? What are the moments where you've thought, my God, I've, this is unbelievable. Like, look at my life. It happened here. Right. Last May, it was a Sunday and I was, uh, I was doing a video with Min Woo Lee, the, well, DP World Tour player slash PGA yep. Tour player really now. Scottish champion. And Scottish Open champion. champion. We had the privilege of playing the old course in reverse. Epic. With Hickory Clubs. St Andrew's Day. No. Oh, not on St Andrew's Day. No. That's even more special. So they completely closed, obviously it was Sunday, the course yeah. was closed anyway. We got special permission to do it. Wow. And they emailed or sent letters to all the townspeople, wherever it may be. And I don't know how close you are to here, but whether you, even, whether, whether you even got one. Oh, right. On this particular date that there was going to be golf happening and please don't, please don't have a picnic. And we had to tee off at like 7 a.m. or something silly. And I, I remember starting that first tee and, and looking around and thinking to myself, I'm about to play the old course in reverse, which is still Tiger Woods' bucket list golf course. Uh -huh. He said it's the one golf course he has to play, old course in reverse. I'm playing with one of the, 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 the best talented golfers I've ever seen in my life. Yeah. Like, he's, he's outrageous. Yeah. Um, I was playing it with like hickory clubs, like traditional hickory clubs on a Sunday, like you say. The weather was beautiful. I thought, this isn't my life. Wow. Like, I get quite, quite bad like imposter syndrome sometimes. I'm like, it almost doesn't feel like me. Like, it, I, I remember pinching myself on that first team going, this is absolutely ridiculous. And I remember one of, my, one of the guys saying to me, like, one of my, the people who worked for me said, um, is this not just the best thing in the world? And I'm like, and I kind of said, yeah. And I'm like, it's amazing. But it hadn't sunk in. Right. And even when the, edit, the video had been edited, I was almost like watching, not me, do it. Like, wow. it, wasn't, it was like it wasn't me. Yet that video is out there now, and I can watch it when I'm 70 year old, 80 year old. I can show my grandchildren. Yeah. I can say I played the old course in reverse on a Sunday when the golf course was closed, not on St Andrew's Day, like with Minwoo Lee, who now is 10 times major champion and whatever yeah. in the future. Yeah. Like this is ridiculous. Like, yeah. and and it's moments like that you think, that's pretty pretty cool. Yeah. Like that, not many people, not hardly anyone gets to do that. I remember went for a meal in in the town that evening. And we were sat on a state restaurant, I love the state restaurant. And uh, there was a big table of guys behind us and they, they were all like, um, they all had red and white pinstripe jackets on actually. So they must've been part of a club or whatever. And one of them, one or two of them spotted me from the videos and said, oh, what have you been doing today? Sunday, Sunday evening. I said, oh, I've been playing golf. Oh, where did you play? I said, playing the old course. And one of the other guys who didn't know me went, <laughs> <laughs> you didn't play the old course today. You didn't play the old course there, it's a Sunday. And they're like quite patronising. And yeah. to be honest, I don't blame him for saying that because that's what you think. Nobody should be playing no, the old yeah, course. It's very and rare. I was like, no, I, no, I actually, no, I actually did. And he went, no, you must have been confused. <laughs> it must have been a new course. And I was like, no, honestly, it was the old course. And I got to play it in reverse 
and his like face like dropped. Oh really? And he's like, shut up. And I went, and he was like, did you get permission for that? I went, yeah, yeah, no, it was all, it was all above <laughs> no, board. And, on. Yeah, and we had the we had the property markers out, and I had a course planner that was in reverse, and we like. It was, yeah, it was legit, and I, and I filmed it, and it'll be on YouTube in like two weeks, and they, they couldn't believe it. And, I, and it was almost like that. I was like again going, did I actually do that? Or did I actually <laughs> dream that? Because that's a bit mad. It is mad. I mean, the whole combination of that. I think the reverse thing—that's you know a lot of people's bucket list. Yeah. But also, so few people get to play the old course on a Sunday. Yeah. The other one, just a, this is a strange one as well. Back in two thousand. Was it 18 when the Open was at Carnoustie? It was, wasn't it? Yeah, 2018. So we did some videos to promote the Open with, with the, the Open and we were doing some crazy videos and they said to me, like, what do you want to do? I said, I've always thought about this idea of hitting shots out of the hotel, the top window in the hotel, mm -hmm. hitting shots down to the 18th. And they were like, mm, okay, let, let's, let's get back to you. Six weeks later, I'm yeah. stood there in the 18th in the hotel. Yeah. Doors open pitching shots out the balcony into the 18th green no like way. it's all again above board it's not i'm not yeah, doing this yeah, out yeah, it's and i'm legal. thinking this is ridiculous <laughs> like why are people letting me do this stuff like <laughs> uh, but it, it's it, like i say it's just those kind of points when you think that's those are really cool like even like this like just being able to it's all documented yeah it's all on video yeah. it's all there to be seen and again, going back to your point when you said, am I proud at the very start of the chat? I don't think I'm going to be until the future. Yeah. I think it'll only be when I'm 50 and I'm sat, hopefully retired in St. Andrews with, <laughs> with whatever this is, because it's lovely stuff, going, I did a lot of stuff back then, didn't I? Like, that was a pretty cool time yeah. in my life. Like, yeah. And I can look back at it and I watch old videos and I think it'll be then when it'll really sink in and go, God, that was really cool. Mm. Yeah, that was really cool. Mm. <laughs> so when you wake up now as Rick Shields, like getting out of bed in the morning, on the days, I know how, you know, I can imagine how it feels on the days where you're just feeling amped up and it's all all there, all the energy's there. But I imagine there's days, you know, you run your own business, you are the captain of your own ship. It sounds like you've got a brilliant team, your wife included in that. and. But I imagine, and I imagine there have been days where you've you've woken up and thought, Just, I'm not not feeling this today. Who has inspired you in moments like that, or what has inspired you to to carry on? My team do, enormously, like you said. I've got an incredible team, and and because you're right, I'm the business owner or the captain of the ship, or whatever. It's like I can't let anyone down. So as much as I might not be feeling it, mm. that's not an excuse. Like I can't let that affect anything um, and then even just like the daft things like you know I feel like I've got a duty to my audience like my audience want content mm. they love content well just because I'm not feeling it doesn't mean I can't make content um, and a lot of the time sometimes it's actually the the thought of making the content as opposed to actually making it mm. as soon as that red button goes on I'm off I'm flying I love it it's, yeah. it's, it's where I'm in my element Sometimes if it's a bit of a cold, crappy day and yeah. I'm not quite feeling it. So in the build-up, it can be like, okay, come on, let's do it, let's do it, let's do it, let's do it. And then literally as soon as that red light turns on, I, and, and I can just go, okay. It's almost right. like, it's, it's not an act, but it feels like it's almost like a bigger version of me. It's like, it's, I think Rick Shields off camera and Rick Shields actually on camera are quite two different, not totally different, but there is a, <laughs> there is a, <laughs> 
There, there is a moment where that red light kicks on. I'm like, okay, let's go. Like, this is it. Like, the curtains get pulled back. Probably going back to my school days when I was on theatre. Mm. You can't be having a bad day. Like, when the, when the curtains get pulled back, when the red, red light goes on, it's time to go. And I've just programmed myself almost to that, really. Um, and, I, and I do still love it. Like, I love the, the whole process because it's, as much as it's got bigger, it's actually not changed that much. Mm. Like... I'll still think, again, with my team, but I'll still think, we'll still think of a lot of ideas, how we're going to put it together, what's it going to look like, how's it going to be edited, what's the thumbnail going to look like, what's the title going to be, how we're going to distribute it, how we're going to promote it, what do the comments say when it's been released, what are the viewing figures saying, are we, are we hitting new records, it, can we learn from that video, was it not as good as we could have made it, mm -hmm. can we change the thumbnail, could we change the title, mm -hmm. so every day it's like, it's not just about making a video mm. it's the whole infrastructure around it that I'm, I, I love every single element to it mm. um, so yeah it, it's there are days where I'm not that into it but like I said I can I can go I can make it happen have you ever thought like I've completed it like there is no more golf videos to make like, I'm, I'm done <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> many, many time it probably happened six years ago right like I mean well it probably happened Eight years ago, if I'm honest, okay. probably after a year, of two years of making videos, I'm like, okay, I'm done. done. There's nothing else I Played could ever, it, there's no more golf videos I could ever, ever, ever make. Yeah, we sat here 10 years down the line. <laughs> so, and, and, and I'm not making the same stuff. I'm making different stuff. I'm making better stuff. I'm making stuff that's better edited or better put together or better planned out or bigger things or, or crazier ideas or, or, or sometimes just really simple coaching videos that I could have still been making 10 years ago, but guess what? There's a new audience that had just arrived. Yeah. Like, I, I heard the other day a really good quote, like, <clears throat> the beauty of, the, of YouTube is, is every day it's a new opportunity to capture new customers. Not, that, not a direct quote, but because it's on the web, because it's on, online, every new, there's an opportunity to bring in somebody new. Yeah. Who has never seen my channel ever before, ever. You know, there's 63 million golfers in the world. And I've only got two million subscribers. Hey. So I'm not, I'm not, I'm not even close to where I think it could get to. Wow. Um, you know, even through lockdown, like the number of golfers increased incredibly, incredibly. Mm. So, you know, there are new golfers, like the amount of people I bump into in the street and they go, oh, watch your videos. I've only just started playing golf six months ago. It's like, this is awesome. And then there's, there's also an, an older crowd that's saying, well, I've been, I've been playing golf for 60 years, but I've just got into YouTube. And now I'm loving your video. So, um, but but ideas sometimes you, you know you'll get writer's block and you'll be like, well, do you I'm, come up with all the ideas? Not solely. I've, you know, I've got like a team behind me, but um, I'll, I'll give everything the green light. You know, obviously because I'm, I'm making the it's yeah, got my name to name it. So your face. Um, you know, it, it's a it's a process where um, certainly me and Guy who works for me we'll come up with the majority of ideas but sometimes one of my editors might say this is quite a cool idea sometimes a fan might email in mm. and i go hmm it's not a bad idea but what about if we did this yeah um you know it, it's not direct from from a fan as such but sometimes it, it can be sometimes a fan might email in or send a message why don't you do this and you think actually that's quite a cool idea let's mm. do that you know um sometimes i get to, i get inspiration from other youtubers not only in the golf space but also outside of golf mm. i watch so much youtube that's not golf related i think i love what they did there but why don't we turn this into a golf version like, i remember i remember watching a fitness video 
and it was in it was in Venice Beach in in LA, and it was something along the lines of for every pull up you did, you got a dollar. Okay, right. and they were just going up to random people. I'll give you a dollar for every every pull up you do. I'll give you a dollar, right? Some people would do five, okay, five dollars. Some people do twenty, okay, twenty dollars. Yeah, that's such a great idea, and he, and he did loads of them. He did. Um, I'll give you a dollar for every every push up you can do, for really? every sit up you can do. I, I saw a similar squat squatting one, yeah. Squatting yeah, and loads, park. and I'm sure he's not the only YouTuber. I'm sure the people. So I thought, okay, how could we maybe turn that into a golf version? So I, I went to the driving range, and we we literally completely out of the blue went to a driving range, the one that I used to work at in Manchester, and literally talked to golfers that were there practicing or non-golfers and said, every yard you hit it, I'll give you a pound. Wow. It has to be inside the fairway, and you can hit any club you want. You yeah. get one shot, but every yard you hit it, I will pay you in the pounds. <laughs> so like you get guys Risk like reward. hitting a seven iron, 150, yeah. 150 yards, there's 150 pounds. Epic. You get guys hitting driver, and it, it might have gone 303 yards, yeah. but it was a yard out of the fairway oh, no. to get nothing. <laughs> so, like, that, that, that wasn't my idea, but mm. I did a golf spin on it. You know, I, it was a golf version of it. Um, and I, I'm going to do loads more of them, like the one that I'd love to do. Again, I'd love to do it somewhere at St Andrews. We, we're talking about doing something for the Open where I'd love to stand on the 17th green on a Sunday with obvious permission, yeah. line up a six-foot putt. If you hold that six-foot putt, I'll give you £100. We get one put. We get one put. That's oh. it. That's all you get. <laughs> and just see, see what happens. See yeah. like the reactions. The like, or, or go in the road hole bunker and say, if you get out of the road hole bunker, I'll give you hundred pound. Yeah. Like loads of people would give it a go, yeah, wouldn't they? Yeah, it's good fun. And it'd just be amazing to see the reaction, and you, you'd get, you'd get form, you'd get professionals, you'd get amateurs. It, but it, it's more just the randomness of it. Mm. Um, but also there's like, I, I still love making coaching videos. I released a coaching video today and it's absolutely killing it on views. It's, really? it's like, yeah, because... What's it about? It's about hitting your irons longer. Okay. And I might have done a video similar to seven years ago or three years ago, but my, my, now my graphics are better. The way I present the content is better. It might have been in, in, the, in the past a 12 minute video. Now it's only a four minute video. You know, it might be the fact that this time it, it's not, nothing new as such but it, the way I explain it is different or mm. or my thumbnail is better or my title is better and suddenly the, the, the subscriber that was still subscribed three years ago thought I'm not going to watch that video because it doesn't look like it's for me it's suddenly going oh yeah you know what I'm at that stage in my golf now where I could do with hitting my hands a bit further mm. I keep knocking in that pond when I don't want to yeah um so it's all these different types of videos. Um, you know, I've, I've got different strands of content. I've got my, my coaching videos, my equipment videos, and then my entertaining videos, mm. entertainment videos. So I just try and hit those criteria kind of all the time, really. Mm. It's really interesting. <laughs> so what does the future look like for Rick Shields? 63 million subscribers. 63. And of those 63 <laughs> million subscribers, what do you think they'll watch the most? Um, me playing the old course in reverse with Tiger Woods. <laughs> Tiger, are you listening, mate? That's the goal. That's the goal. Me playing against Tiger Woods at the old course on a Sunday. Yeah. It's not St Andrew's Day in reverse with Hickory Clubs. Wow. That's the goal. That's the video and a half. Yeah. I'll have Rory caddying for me. <laughs> Jack Nicholas caddying for Tiger. Right. Um, it, it, who knows, like, genuinely, I don't know what they'll watch in the future. Because I don't know what that future content looks like just yet. But mm. I do know 
the content I'm making now, I couldn't have envisioned three years ago. Mm. So I know that the content I'm making in three years is content I can't envision right now. Mm. But I know each each day or each month or each year, we are always trying to push the envelope and seeing kind of what's next, really. I'm going to ask this question for a future version of ourselves, um, potentially in, let's say, 50 years from time. So we'll be on a rocking chair somewhere. I want to know what your predi- predictions are for the metaverse. It, it's 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 the future. Have it, you got have you got Oculus Quest? No. What's the that? goggles. No. It's the best thing you'll ever see in your life. I'll bring it tomorrow and show you. Really? It's ridiculous. What is it? It's the metaverse. It's the it's the virtual reality. Is that the goggles that Apple? No, that Meta make. Oh, Meta. That Facebook make. Yeah. Facebook, right? Yeah. It's Meta. Yeah. Okay. Oh my gosh, I'm so it's excited. It's the best of the best of the best. Of the what best. do you do in there? I play golf. In the metaverse? Yeah. Play golf, play ping pong, go and have a stroll, go do exercise. Go and have a stroll? Yeah. But you're sitting. You don't have to be. But you can stroll. They'll bring out, soon they'll bring out uh, areas of, of continuous moving moving space. And you might be in a, a flat and have a, a, a meter by meter space. Yeah. And on that meter by meter space, it's continuously moving wow. how you operate. You can move. So if you want to walk, yeah. it'll walk with you. And But you'll never move out of that meter space, but you'll walk. Whoa. You, you, the golf game on it is spectacular. Is it really? You can play top golf on it. You can play different golf courses. You and me, this is amazing. So let's say you you are covering an event in China. Yeah. Right? And you, and you say, could do with a game. I wouldn't mind having a quick game of Rick. Ricky free. Yeah, not a problem. Goggles on. Hi, I know you're all right. And We're literally, on the in, the, in the metaverse, playing against each other. You're in China, I'm in England. And how do you swing the club in the with metaverse? A, with a club. With a real golf club. So that the attachment goes on the end of a, of a club. Oh, wow. I've literally got it downstairs. I'll show you. Oh, wow. And, and you literally swing it and hit. No way. Right, we'll have a shot tomorrow. It's ridiculous how good it is. It's ridiculous. Seriously. How much do these guys cost you? 400 quid. Right. Wow. Okay. Well, you heard it here first. It's the well, future. the thing is, again, going back to, I, I remember when I first heard about this. Yeah. Three months ago, four months ago, I was like, "The hell's this stuff? Why, mm-hmm. why am I even bothered about this?" But I almost forced myself to buy it because I have to know. Yeah. What What is this future? Because it's so close to the space that. Well, it's just like, like if I'm not, if I'm not got my finger on the pulse of something like that, I'm missing a trick. If I'm not at the lead of this and it goes bananas, yeah. then what the hell have I been doing? Totally. Like, and there's a very big chance it will go It's 100% going to go that bananas. way. Bananas. <laughs> One of the best things you can do in it, so YouTube has an app in it. So we've started to slightly change our content to, to, to um, um, adapt. Kind of, uh, yeah, to, to best suit this Oculus uh, Quest, it's like VR. So I, me- I remember I went to the open back at, when was True? Was that 2016? Or are you testing Mick, me now? When Mickelson beat Oh, Stenson. Henrik Stenson. Uh, I'm sure it's 16 or 15. I think it's 16. I hired... 16. I remember I was still doing YouTube and I hired a 360-degree camera, okay? And I walked around and filmed everything in 360, right? And I put it on YouTube and it absolutely flopped. Like, it died. Right. Like, this is six, seven years ago. It okay. died. Because um, it wasn't a good viewing experience. It yeah. was terrible. The yeah. cameras weren't great and it, it just wasn't that good. It, you felt a bit seasick watching it. Now, if you made 360 degrees um, content now, 100% that grandstand behind us, yeah. the open will have 
hundred percent. I'm adamant of it. They'll just have a simple camera with a with a three hundred and sixty. You can put your Oculus Quest on, and you can watch live golf as it's happening, like you stood in, like, like you sat in the stand, like a grandstand. Wow. hundred percent. Yeah. If you're not doing it this year, next year or the year yeah, after. Yeah, 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 yeah. And it'll feel so real. Wow. And you'll just be sat I there at home. I need to get these on and, and see how real it feels. It's but the best. It scares me because I know it will feel really real, but I think I agree with you. I think it is. I think it is very much. It scares the living daylight out of me. <laughs> yeah. Like it does. Because it, it's it, another world. It, it, the people will get lost in it. Yeah. The amount of times, like, I, I've been at home, the kids have gone to bed, the wife's gone to bed or whatever, and I'll be sat there playing golf in the living room or whatever, dicking about, trying to get my hands, trying to get my use around this. Yeah. And I'll, I'll literally finish the round and, and suddenly you're in beautiful sunshine in this metaverse, in this ri <laughs> virtual reality golf game. Yeah. And you've just shot, like, six on the par, which, yeah. again, it's not real. No, no, it is actually quite realistic, yeah, to be honest. So I've shot, like, 87. Yeah. yeah. And, I, and I'll literally take my goggles off and I literally, I'm just, a minute ago, I was in the sunshine, I'm playing golf, and I take my goggles off, and you're in a dark room, and it's raining outside, yeah. and there's no one around, you're thinking, what the hell? Oh my God. And so in that work, that is scary. Yeah, yeah, For a yeah. lot of people, the metaverse, or this virtual reality, is going to be better than their real world, mm. which that really scares me. Yeah. Because there will be a time where, if you've got enough Bitcoin or whatever, mm. you'll be able to go into your metaverse, buy a, 10 million pound mansion that's yours overlooking, overlooking this ocean and you've got this Lamborghini in the drive and you've got this supermodel wife or whatever and like this is all in this metaverse yeah so you're just going to live there and you, and you might have a one bed flat in you know some dark and dingy place yeah 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 but actually in, in metaverse world you know yeah. so that, that, that bit really scares me that is terrifying and, it, and I don't think it's far away for how realistic yeah. this stuff is <laughs> got a bit God. deeper it's it's scary and my, i'm not a techie kind of person like i'm a you know i'm a arty kind of creative kind of person and my brothers actually work in technology so we're very very different in the way our brains are worked up i've always been a bit of a technophobe and that's why i've got guys like you and emily around so that they can take care of me because i i can't even barely work a camera like i'm, I'm really bad with technology um so for me it's scary but like you i've kind of forced myself to try and like to try and understand it but um anyway well listen rick it's been an absolute treat to spend great. a bit of time really with good. you i've watched a lot of what you've done from afar and as i said at the start i think it's a huge congratulations to you oh, thank and you. uh and by the way i know this is your show but you've killed it <laughs> like well do you know i we were talking earlier about um you know we were talking about the the, the space between knowing something and doing something. And I remember actually years ago at this Garmin event that we yeah. were at, a said watch event that we were at, and uh, and you were like, you should um, you should do something on, you know, more on YouTube. You're killing it. And so I, I have always found you very encouraging from the start, but I think um, I appreciate you saying that. Thank no, you. No, it is, honestly, like the way, I think, I think your role going sh like almost straight into that is way harder than what I've done. <laughs> way harder. Like, if someone said to me right now, jump straight into live TV, I'd be like, oh my God, what the hell? Because right now I've got control of every, almost everything I do to yeah. some degree. Yeah. And even when, even if it's live, or I, I take all the hit. So if I mess up, that's fine. I take the hit. Mm. I think sometimes when like you work in live TV for like Sky or something and you mess up. Yeah. You've done a great job for not yeah. messing up that many times. <laughs> no, I've done all right, Touchwood. But I think um, 
I really respect what you've done with your career because I think for all the people that look in and go, oh, like he's got it made, you know, he's he's getting to do all his own content, and it is it is aspirational what you've achieved. I know how hard those days are when you are you you are in charge of your own business to to get out of bed when it's pouring with rain, to go out and film another YouTube video when you've you've done four already that week and you just don't want to do another one. So, I think like. I, I really do think what you've done, what you've done, and where you've got to now is incredibly impressive. And, Thank you. But I'm bloody excited for the for the 63 mil mark. I am. <laughs> I am. I remember when when I first heard that number, I said like, how many golfers know it says 63 million? I was like, okay, we ain't finished yet. <laughs> <laughs> Good stuff, Rick. Thank you. Thank you very much. Cheers. This episode is brought to you by Titleist.